This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. And welcome to our 18-day challenge. The kickoff, um, as you all know, we had a tremendous health fear on July 31st. And we decided that we're going to take this a little bit further in living our best life. So today is the start of our 18-day challenge of living their best life. Sister Barbara is going to um, spirit that and um, for the next 18 days with myself. And... Um, we're going to have a tremendous time um, trusting in God and living our best life in our walk with God. So, without any further ado, let's just stand and invite God's presence in our midst. Almighty Father and our God, we're just so thankful, dear Father, that you have brought us here, dear Father. We have this, the strength and the ability, dear Father, to get here, dear Father. We know, dear, dear God, that... It is only through your love and your mercies. As we kick off this 18-day challenge, dear Father, we ask that you'll just be with us and bless us in everything we do, dear Father. Help us, dear Father, that we may stay focused on you, knowing that all things are possible through you. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So good evening and welcome. Thank you all for taking the time to come out. And those who are watching us online, welcome to the 18-day challenge. This is where we are going to move from just talking about it, sharing it, but actually doing it. You see, in transforming our lives, it's good to know all the things. It's good to be able to tell you what it is, but it's really take faith to put it in action. And we're going to help you not only know that it's good, feel good that it's good, but to help you actually experience it. So you know how in the word of God it says they overcome by the word and by our testimony, the blood and, the, and, and our testimony. We're going to put what we have known to be health back in place. So what is this 18-day challenge all about? Well, first of all, I just have to give you a little background. I think most of you know me as Elder Barbara, and that's what I am here at Plantation, but I do more than that. My background is, of course, I'm a registered nurse, but I'm a licensed, I'm a lifestyle wellness coach, and I'd like to call myself the diabetes reversal specialist. About three years ago, I recognized after, I mean, well, it's going on maybe four or five years when my husband was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and he had um, all the symptoms, but the sad thing was the medications were not helping him. As a matter of fact, he developed angioedema one day, the blood pressure, everything was going bad. And so I challenged him, let me share you, let me share with you the natural way. And through God's grace, we were able to reverse his type 2 diabetes. He got off all medication in less than in less than like four months. So much so that when he went back to the doctor six months, he was saying, you know, you're doing good. The medication is working. He says, no, I stopped taking that four months ago. We applied the 
natural healing. And since then, I've been helping individuals take back their lives from type 2 diabetes and live the abundant life. So why am I here today? I'm here because we are here to help you not only reverse type 2 diabetes, but help you practical steps in how we can take this challenge. You know, most time people will tell you, you know, um, um, I, I really want to do this, but I don't know how. Here we're going to hold your hands. We're going to guide you through through an 18-day challenge of making these baby steps that will jumpstart your life into following a more li um, better lifestyle. The, so why is this important? Why is it important for us to embrace a healthier lifestyle? Why is it important for us to not only talk about it, know about it, but do it? It is important because what you don't know is the top five um, risk factor for death in the United States are very astounding. And I will show you in the next slide. This is not just me telling you. This is what data has shown over the years. The top five risk factors and how we can mitigate or lower or remove these risks starts with the next slide, is how we um, change our diet, change our lifestyle. It says it's a leading risk factor for death in the U United States. And you'll see next. Um, as you can see, it says, in the U.S., the 10 risk factors for death, the first one is dietary risk. The first one for risk factor for death is dietary risk. And this is coming from the CDC. Dietary risk followed by to make, to, tobacco use, high blood pressure, high fasting plasma glucose, which refers to um, diabetes and the metabolic syndromes. So understanding this, this is not something we're coming up with to say, you know what, this has been proven by data that the five risk for death, and as you can see it, is dietary risk. So if that is such a major number one cause, that means we have the opportunity to, to change this, right? Not only that, we have been given, it's like we've been given the, what do you call it, package and seal the New Start program. Last, when we did the health fair, we introduced the New Start program. And whereas a lot of individuals knew about it, not everybody knew about it, right? And so he has given us this gift of the New Start. And as you can see, this is where it's showing that the, not only does the top, the top risk factor leads to the top death, so dietary risk, the leading cause is heart disease. Heart disease is the number one cause of death in this, in, this, in this country. And then there is tobacco use. But the seventh leading cause of death is type 2 diabetes or metabolic disease. And the truth of the matter is, when the research, the research has shown that even though, say, metabolic disease is the seventh leading cause of death, it should really be called the first leading cause of death because the individuals that has the highest percentage of heart disease are those who have type 2 diabetes. So it goes right back that they are dead on when they say the number one risk is dietary risk. And we have the principles to mitigate and push this away through our New START program. And during this program, we're going to be focusing on the first three. But you'll find that when you start implementing the first three, new, and I like to start, we're starting new. Nutrition, exercise, and water. When you start doing these, then you'll find that you start getting the benefits of the others, and they start coming into play.
So we're going to be focusing on this particular program on the new part of the new start. All right? So we'll be still looking at sunlight and temperance and air and rest and trust, but our focus and our attention will be focused on how to impact our nutrition, how the science behind the exercise and how you can exercise without feeling like you're going to the gym 50 million times or nonstop. You see, what I've learned is that it's not about the intensity. Some people, when you think of exercise, you think about the intensity. It's about the consistency. And we're going to help you to understand the science behind that and water. And I I don't need to share with you that without water, we're dead, right? We are dehydrated, just like how we can't do without oxygen. Next. Next slide. So one thing I want to share is that sickness and health is not by accident. <laughs> I know most times we're like, oh my gosh, I don't know where this, but sickness and health is not by accident. You are sick or you're healthy by intention. Not your intention, but it has to be based on your action. You see, the human body is designed to heal itself. We are intelligently designed by our creator with supernatural exponential healing capabilities that when we come in alignment with it, our body heals itself. You see, our habits and our lifestyle influence our health. And we're constantly waging war with our habits, with our lifestyle, to see how we can overcome this. And the good thing about not only are we designed, I like to say we are created, designed, and equipped to heal. Created by our Father, designed and equipped with everything we need to heal ourselves. And our habits and our lifestyle we can make changes. And everyone has been given these tools for optimal health by the creator. You can say, you know what? She's special. She gets it. You have it and you have it and you have it. We all have it. The difference is how do we apply it? How do we apply it, especially in a world where everything is pulling us away from the path, moving us into a place where we're in sickness, we can't think. All right? And so nutrition. What is nutrition? What is the best diet for weight loss, for disease prevention, and for health restoration? What is the best diet? The best diet, scientific, has proven over and over and over, is a... Okay. They're saying they're not seeing the slide, Michael. Okay, so it's been proven over and over that the best diet is a whole food, plant-based diet. But you know what? The truth of the matter is we have been saying that for so long. And I want, don't take my word for it. I want you to listen to the science behind it that not only us who have been given this message, but there's science to back up that the best, plan, the best thing for health, restoration, and weight loss is whole food, plant-based. And we are going to listen Resources I can give you guys. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to say anything about them. 
Yes, so Dr. Guthrie, um, he's well-renowned, and we'll go into this. Um, well-renowned, and he has shown how eating plants not only make you feel whole, but help you to restore your health. We're using the um, guideline with the 18-day to help guide you through. So what does the science say about this? And if you play, go ahead and play that video. Um, this is not what I'm saying. I want to share with you the scientific evidence that backs up this research. broadcasting shortly. Just one sec. So in the interim, what I want to encourage each and every individual, you can find this book on Amazon, you can go to the Adventist Book Press, you can get it. It's good, but if you don't have the book, as Nick will be passing out, excerpt of similar things that we are going to be using. So the 18-day challenge starts officially, this is the launch, but on Sunday is going to be where we have um, your preparation day. And as we pass this out, it's all about going out, getting some of the stuff. And Monday, it's going to be a big kickoff where I'm going to be going live on Facebook. Um, and it will also be broadcasted through YouTube that we'll be able to see. And every day you'll get a motivational quote. Every day we're going to go through the step. The first three days is usually uh, the, the bit of... Um, where you have to focus a little bit. I like to say you have to focus a little bit. And so we're going to be guiding you through day one, day three, what you need to do, what you, we're going to help you go through your pantry, choose the things that help you, help you to make the better choices. Because in the 18 days, we'll be able to, we want to see difference. And we have seen it and we want you to experience this difference. Go ahead. Why are vegetarian diets so effective in preventing and treating diabetes? Maybe it's because of the weight loss. Those eating more plant-based tend to be significantly slimmer, and not just based on like looking at a cross-section of the population, but you can do interventional trials and put it to the test. A randomized controlled community-based trial of a whole food plant-based diet. 
The key difference between plant-based nutrition and other approaches to weight loss is that participants were formed to eat the whole food plant-based diet ad libitum, meaning eat as much as you want, no calorie counting, no portion control, just eat. It's about improving the quality of food rather than restricting the quantity of food. And then in this study they had people just you know, focus on diet rather than increasing exercise just because they wanted to isolate out the effects of eating healthy. So what happened? No restrictions on portions. Eat all the healthy foods you want. Here's where they started out. On average, obese at nearly 210 pounds. The average height was about 5'5". Three months in, they were down about 18 pounds. Uh, six months in, more like you know, 26 pounds down. Uh, but you know how these weight loss trials go. I mean, this wasn't an institutional study where they like, you know, locked people up and fed them. You know, no meals were provided. They just informed people about the benefits of plant-based eating and encouraged them to, you know, do it in their own lives, their own families, in their own homes and communities. And so, you know, yeah, typically what you see in these so-called free living studies is that, you know, weight loss at six months, uh, but then by a year the weight creeps back, or even worse. But in this study, they're able to maintain that weight loss all year. And of course, their you know, cholesterol got better too, but their claim to fame is that they achieved greater weight loss at 6 and 12 months than any other trial that does not limit calorie intake or mandate regular exercise. And that's worth repeating. A whole food plant-based diet achieved the greatest weight loss ever recorded at 6 and 12 months compared to any other such intervention published in the medical literature. Now, obviously, with you know, very low-calorie starvation diets, you can drop people down to any weight. However, these medically supervised liquid diets are obviously just you know, short-term fixes associated with high cost, high attrition rates, and high probability of regaining most of the weight, whereas the whole point of whole food plant-based nutrition is to maximize long-term health and longevity. I mean, even if, for example, you know, low-carb diets were as effective, the point of weight loss is not to fit into a skinnier casket. Studies on the effects of low-carbohydrate diets have shown higher rates of all-cause mortality, meaning a shorter lifespan, decreased artery function, worsening of coronary artery disease, and increased rates of constipation, headaches, bad breath, muscle cramps, general weakness, and rash. And yet, still not as effective as the diet that actually has all the good side effects like decreasing risk of diabetes beyond just the weight loss. Yes, the lower risk of type 2 diabetes among vegetarians may be explained in part by improved weight status. However, the lower risk also may be explained by higher amounts of ingested dietary fiber and plant protein, the absence of meat and egg-derived protein and heme iron, and lower intake of saturated fat. Most studies report the lowest risk of type 2 diabetes among those who adhere to strictly plant-based diets. This may be explained by the fact that vegans, in contrast to vegetarians, do not eat eggs, which appear to be linked to higher diabetes risk. Maybe it's you know, eating lower on the food chain, so you avoid the highest levels of persistent organic pollutants like dioxins, PCBs, DDT, and animal products, which have been implicated as a diabetes risk factor. Maybe it has to do with the gut microbiome. With all that fiber, no surprise that there'd be less disease-causing bugs and more protective gut flora, which can lead to less inflammation throughout the body. Uh, that may be the key feature linking the healthier gut with beneficial health effects, including the metabolic dysfunction you can see in type 2 diabetes. And it's that multiplicity of benefits 
that can help with compliance and family buy-in, you know, whereas a household that includes people who do not have diabetes may be unlikely to enthusiastically follow a quote-unquote diabetic diet, a healthy diet is not disease-specific, and it can improve other chronic conditions, too. Uh, so while the diabetic patient will likely see improvement in their blood sugar control, a spouse suffering from constipation or high blood pressure may also see improvements, as may overweight children, if you make healthy eating a family affair. As, as they've shown that not only does it help with you, but it helps with your family. And one of the things I want to mention that maybe he didn't mention. Remember I showed you how the, in, the first, the number one dietary risk, the number one risk, dietary risk was for cardiovascular disease. Studies and studies have shown that with a plant-based whole food diet, you decrease your risk of a heart attack significantly, primarily by eliminating meat, dairy, eggs, and fish out of the diet. You see, our body, our gut has... We talk about TMAO, right? So the gut, when we eat fish, dairy, it's produced um, trimethoprene or something in our gut that causes an increase in TMAOI, which is a direct link to heart disease. And they've shown that when you eat a plant-based whole food diet, you practically eliminate the risk of heart disease. And this is not just we just saying it. Now the research is showing that there's a direct correlation. So it's not about, and when you talk about heart disease, you're talking about how many, almost every one in second person is hypertensive. That's the beginning of heart issues. So a plant-based whole food diet is the key for restoring your health. And we're going to talk, Nick is going to share a little bit more about our stuff that's coming. Can you go back one for me? So the, the last time we were here, I said that I am not a medical professional, but I'd like to play one on TV. So I've always had a really um, long love affair with what nutrition can do for your health. Where did it start for me? As a kid, uh, my mom was a vegetarian and often vegan. And there was this one incident in my life where we had a pet. And I know this sounds crazy, but this is how my love affair with it started. We had a pet that was sick and it had cancer. And my mom had taken it to the doctor multiple times. And when the doctor said, we've got to put the dog to sleep, my mom said, no, that's okay. I'll take care of it. And there's a book called Back to Eden. Has anyone heard of that book called Back to Eden? So my mom took the book Back to Eden, went to the health food store, got the herbs recommended in Back to Eden, and started packing this wound that was inside my dog's um, breast area. And the wound would just, when the doctor would take it out and cut it and sew it up, it would just quickly open. So over the next two weeks, my mom continued to pack uh, a poultice inside this wound and give my, the dog something to drink. And in days, we started to see the cancer just disappear and the wound started closing up. Maybe about three, four months later, we went back to the veterinarian's office and she, they saw the dog. They're like, is this the same dog? It's like, yeah. Like, how is this dog still alive? And their mind was blown. And my mom's like, well, you know, we gave her some herbs and some roots and that took care of it. That for me, I think I was maybe 16, 17 is something that always stuck in my mind. And I started listening to my mom a lot more when it came to food. So one of the things here, and I have to confess that I have been a lifelong meat eater. 
um, she would feed me vegetarian food at home, but if we went out, my mom would allow me to eat what the Bible said we could eat. Now, growing up as a kid in England was very different. There was not a McDonald's on every single corner. We didn't have the money for it, so I didn't get to eat it as frequently until I came to the United States, and things started to change. And the other decision I made was, because when I would look at the vegetarian foods, I'd look at the long list of ingredients in the canned vegetarian food, I made the decision that eating meat was healthier than that. But this book has really changed my mind in many ways, and in the last four to five months, I've moved from being a complete carnivore into what I'm going to say is probably about 80 to 90% vegan, plant-based, whole food as much as possible. But this book here and the book that this is all based on, and I'm really going to encourage you guys to get hold of this book because we're going to give you as much information as possible, but you need more to move forward. And Dr. Guthrie, and you guys all know Advent Health up in Orlando, you know that's an Adventist hospital system. He's a doctor that's managed their lifestyle program for many, many years. And Barbara, you're telling me he's talking about retiring now. But in this book that has been um, recognized around the country, I don't know about the world, but I know around the country with many other lifestyle medicine physicians who are not Adventists. And he's done a really good job with his book. And if you get the book, you'll see that so many other people have contributed. So one of the toughest things, and let's go, okay, thank you. One of the toughest things that when I talk to people about doing this is some people say, okay, I can do without the meat for a little while. But one of the toughest things I've seen is that when we talk to them about the first three days of doing what the equivalent of being the Daniel fast diet, has anyone here done the Daniel fast before? Okay, I see one head nodding. I think you've done it. You've done it here. So basically what the Daniel fast is, was where you go back to that diet that Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, and remember what they told um, the person that was taking care of them, was give us water and give us vegetables, right? And then you'll see that the end of, and I don't remember what the period was, you can judge us and evaluate. So the toughest thing you're going to, biggest challenge you're going to have here is that first three days where you're going to be taking just water and vegetables, But here's the tough thing. You can't cook them in oil. And what they're asking you to do through most of this diet is stay away from oils. Now, you may be thinking, yeah, but if it's olive oil, that's good. Yeah? Because that's what we've heard. Or vegetable oil. Because we're not eating, you know, we're not eating fat renderings from animals or anything. We've moved to vegetable oil. But what the science is showing is that the reason, one of the number one reasons why people are getting diabetes or any of the metabolic syndrome diseases is because of the oil. And these are things that they've had this research for over 70 years, but it's been pushed off to the side. And now the science is showing that it is the vegetable oils that is causing insulin resistance, all these other diseases that comes with it. There's going to be one last short video. This one's about five minutes, I believe, and you guys will see that, and then we'll move into the rest of the program. And as we're getting ready, as the video is about to play, I can tell you that even though you may say, oh, it's just a little teaspoon of oil, that one little bit of oil packs nine kilocalories compared to if you had some, some carbs. And you'll, it's going to show you clearly why it really is the game changer. Physical inactivity has been called the 
biggest public health problem of the 21st century. Of course, just because someone calls it that doesn't mean it's true. In fact, physical inactivity So as we're getting ready to continue, talking about the first three days, and I'm sure I need you guys to start determining in your mind that this is going to be done. Once we got through the first three days of eating um, vegetables and fruits and no oil, you're going to find that you jumpstart. Your body is able to go through. You want to have results, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that's going to be good for you that you're not going to have to put some effort in. It's not going to happen, but this is why we're here to support you, to help you, because we want to see the time come when we can say truly we have the health message as evidenced by what's going on with our bodies. After about age 20, we may have all of the insulin-producing beta cells we're ever going to have in our pancreas, and so if we lose them, we may lose them for good. Autopsy studies show that by the time type 2 diabetes is diagnosed, we may have already killed off half of our beta cells. You can do it right in a petri dish. Expose human beta cells to fat, they suck it up, and then start dying off. A chronic increase in blood fat levels is harmful, as shown by the important effects in pancreatic beta cell lipotoxicity. Fat breakdown products can interfere with the function of these cells and ultimately lead to their death. And not just any fat, saturated fat. The predominant fat in olives, nuts, and avocados gives you a tiny bump in death protein 5, but saturated fat really ramps up this contributor to beta cell death. Saturated fats are harmful to beta cells, harmful to the insulin-producing cells in our pancreas. Cholesterol too. The uptake of bad cholesterol, LDL, can cause beta cell death as a result of free radical formation. So, Diets rich in saturated fats not only cause obesity and insulin resistance, but the increased levels of circulating free fats in the blood, called NEFAs, non-esterified fatty acids, causes beta cell death, and may thus contribute to progressive beta cell loss in type 2 diabetes. And this isn't just based on test tube studies. If you infuse fat into people's bloodstream, you can directly impair pancreatic beta cell function, and the same when we ingest it. Type 2 diabetes is characterized by defects in both insulin secretion and insulin action, and saturated fat appears to impair both. Researchers showed saturated fat ingestion reduces insulin sensitivity within hours, but these were non-diabetic, so their pancreas should have been able to boost insulin secretion to match, but insulin secretion failed to compensate for insulin resistance in subjects who ingested the saturated fat and this implies the saturated fat impaired beta cell function as well, again just within hours after going into our mouth. So increased consumption of saturated fats has a powerful short and long-term effect on insulin action, contributing to the dysfunction and death of pancreatic beta cells in diabetes. And saturated fat isn't just toxic to the pancreas. The fats found predominantly in meat and dairy, uh, chicken and cheese are the two main sources in the American diet, are almost universally toxic, whereas the fats found in olive nuts and avocados are not. Saturated fat has been found to be particularly toxic to liver cells in the formation of fatty liver disease. 
You expose human liver cells to plant fat, and nothing happens. Expose liver cells to animal fat, and a third of them die. This may explain why higher intakes of saturated fat and cholesterol are associated with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. By cutting down on saturated fat consumption, we may be able to help interrupt this process. Decreasing saturated fat intake may help bring down the need for all that excess insulin. So either being fat or eating saturated fat can both cause that excess insulin in the blood. The effect of reducing dietary saturated fat intake on insulin levels is substantial, uh, regardless of how much belly fat we have. And it's not just that by eating fat we may be more likely to store it as fat. Saturated fats, independently of any role they have of making us fat, may contribute to the development of insulin resistance and all its clinical consequences. After controlling for weight and alcohol and smoking and exercise and family history, diabetes incidence was significantly associated with the proportion of saturated fat in our blood. So what causes diabetes? the consumption of too many calories rich in saturated fats. Now, just like everyone who smokes doesn't develop lung cancer, everyone that eats a lot of saturated fat doesn't develop diabetes. There's a genetic component. But just like smoking can be said to cause lung cancer, high-calorie diets rich in saturated fats is currently considered the cause of type 2 diabetes. This seems like, um, so we want to show you the science behind what we're doing and why it's so important. And to bring it home, I help individuals help reverse type 2 diabetes. And I'm going to tell you, at the beginning of my journey of helping individuals with type 2 diabetes, I was not as fully... Um, understanding of the fact, you know, being a nurse, you, you learn a certain way. I had to relearn everything according to the biblical concept. And I've learned that my clients who I've started to work with diligently in helping to reduce the fat, their reversal happens half the time of individuals who say, you know what, I'm just going to hold on to a little bit. I'm going to lo lose it slowly. What's found out is that when you're willing to make that step, the big step, you get the big results. Sometimes we have to do baby steps at a time, but I'm just showing by eliminating fat out of the diet, their reversal happened quicker compared to those who are who was holding on. That's the impact of the fat and how the saturated fat inside the cell destroys our body. So how do we live longer with walking or living longer through exercise? So we told you that at the beginning we're going to be focusing on nutrition, exercise, and water. We've spoken about the nutrition aspect. We've given you a brief synopsis. The next thing we're going to focus on is exercise, that your longer life is within walking distance. And, you know, studies have shown that if you walk just 30 minutes, 30 minutes a day, and it doesn't have to, walking is the minimum. Walking just 30 minutes a day will give you such exponential benefit. Not only does it help with your mental status, it helps with it, just feeling good. It helps with your cardiovascular, your breathing, your sleep, everything. What does the science say about exercise? 
what are the benefits of exercise? It's improve our mental health. It's it gives us better cognitive function. You find that you can think better. I know for me, when I have a lot of work to sit down and do, I have to go for a run first. When I go for a run and come back, it's like my brain is wired for production. So, and it improve our sleep quality. If you exercise in the day, you realize you sleep better at night. Not only does the exercise help, but that sunshine that comes into our system that allows, you know, activate your brain also stop the production of melatonin and help you rest better. And that's a whole new thing. But it improves your sleep quality. It's been shown to cause help with cancer prevention, high blood pressure, lifespan expansion. I know that when I started walking, I was diagnosed with hypertension at an, at an early age. And I realized I had to change my life. And exercise eliminated my hypertension with a plant-based whole food diet in less than six months. So exercise play a major role. But don't just take my word for it. I want you to listen to what the science has to say about this. The video. Physical inactivity has been called the biggest public health problem of the 21st century. Of course, just because someone calls it that doesn't mean it's true. In fact, physical inactivity ranks down at number five in terms of risk factors for death, and number six in terms of risk factors for disability. Diet is by far our greatest killer, followed by smoking. But still, there is irrefutable evidence of the effectiveness of regular physical activity in the prevention of several chronic diseases, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer, hypertension, obesity, depression, and osteoporosis, as well as premature death, adding an additional one or two years onto our lifespan, helping to add years to our life and, above all, life to our years. It truly may be survival of the fittest. How much do we need to exercise? In general, the answer is the more the better. Currently, most health and fitness organizations advocate a minimum of 1,000 calories burned of exercise a week, which is like walking an hour a day, five days a week. But seven days a week may be even better in terms of extending one's lifespan. Moderate intensity can be practically defined by the talk-but-not-sing test, where you can still carry on a conversation, but would feel breathless if trying to sing. Exercise is so important that not walking an hour a day is considered a high-risk behavior, alongside smoking, excess drinking, and being obese. Having any one of these effectively ages us three to five years in terms of risk of dying prematurely. Though interestingly, those that ate green vegetables on a daily basis did not appear to have that same bump in risk. Uh, but even if broccoli-eating couch potatoes do live as long as walkers, uh, there are a multitude of ancillary health benefits to physical activity, so much so that doctors are encouraged to prescribe it, to signal to the patient that exercise is medicine, in fact, powerful medicine. 
Researchers at London School, Harvard, and Stanford compared exercise to drug interventions, and found that exercise often worked just as well as drugs for the treatment of heart disease and stroke, the prevention of diabetes. Of course, there's not a lot of money to fund exercise studies, so one option would be to require drug companies to compare any new drug to exercise. In cases where drug options provide only modest benefit, patients deserve to understand the relative impact that physical activity might have on their condition. We could throw diet into the mix, too. Yes, the FDA could tell drug companies, your new drug beats out placebo, but does it work as well as kale? <laughs>
already been registered. Let me see the hands of all those who have registered for the program. So you can just go to the website is living right your best life hs.com hf your best life hf.com when you register you will get everything that you'll see here the breakdown for each day the first three days um, those who had asked the first three days is the most intense day so today is august 20th and then of course august 21st is i'm gonna the shopping day to get prepared monday Monday is our go live day, and that is where I'll be helping you um, going live. So on the 21st, we're going to be on Facebook via Zoom. That will be sent out. Those of you who have registered will get an email or to join the Facebook group. You'll also get an email with the link for the Zoom. And we're going to be meeting every day at 7 p.m. for three days. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're going to be helping you. Yes. We're going to be helping you. But let me just break it down a little bit better for you. So phase one is where we call the induction phase. And that is the first three days. So it's three parts to this program. You have the phase one, which is the induction. This is where you're getting into it. This is where we're going to eat vegetables and water and no oil. And we're going to get you through that. And in phase one, you're going to eat only non-starchy, above-ground vegetables. All right? We're going to go through that. It's going to be a short time. It's going to be strict. But I'm telling you, if we stick together, and we're always better together, and that's why we're allowing everyone to join in this way. When we do it together, we get through together, we, we motivate each other together. So the phase one is the first three days is called the induction phase. And this is where you will be supported through this process. Phase two is what we call the therapeutic phase. And the therapeutic phase enclose where we're going to add fruits and legumes. After the first three intensive days, you're ready to begin eating a more relaxed diet and add other whole food plant-based. So I'm going to tell you the first three days, just know that you are going to finish it. Once that three days end, then you're going to start introducing more of the regular stuff. So it's like we're helping you to break your, to get into the, you know, bring your body into just, and into just accepting it. And let me tell you, when you start something new, your habits are going to wage war. But that's why we're better together. That's why when we work together, when we support each other together as a group, we get through this. Because our body does not rule us, we should rule our bodies, right? And then the next stage is going to be day 19 and onwards, which is the maintenance phase. And once you have finished the 18 day, we come back for a final assessment and review of your results. And I'm going to ask each and every individual to, um, who is here, weigh yourself, starting today or tomorrow, weigh yourself, check your blood pressure, and take a picture of yourself. 
and write an affirmation statement that I, I am going to finish this 18-day challenge. And so at the end of this challenge, we're going to come back and we're going to share these results to see what are the transformation. Daily, as we go on the Facebook Live, we're going to talk about what are the challenges. I'm going to share with you tips how you can get past it. We're going to hear other persons who are going through it. We're going to support each other through this 18-day because we're always better together, right? The th- and then therapeutic phase, again, we'll move on to the maintenance phase. You see, most times when we start a challenge, you know, it's finished, and then guess what? You're like, okay, what's next? No, we're going to help you maintain it. You see, because the problem is going back to the hallway is not an option, So we're going to help you maintain a healthier lifestyle so you can reap the benefits of a better life. So we're going to do group coaching and motivation. As I said, the first three days is going to be live every day at 7 p.m. Then after that, every fifth day, we're going to be going live. Then we're going to have exercise every Sunday in the park. We're planning to have a walking group at Central Park. We'll meet there. Um, going to meet there, I think, about seven or eight. And then we're going to, for a couple of those, we're going to have like a, like a professional exercise individuals who will be coming to help us. So this is not something we just come off of the top of our head. We are going to be helping you help your body to heal and prosper and be in good health. So our group exercise will be at Central Park every Sunday. Um, and so we'll, throughout the week, we're going to continue to hear. I'm going to, as you join the Facebook group, I'm going to ask you to share, share your challenges, share your wins, help to motivate everyone so we can get through this together. Go ahead. All right, so what I've got inside this um, little flyer that I gave you is we've got a shopping list. And if you guys take a look, you'll see some of the things here. And I also put in here the, I think I did, oh, trying to get in here the first three days. No. All right. What we're going to do for all of you guys have registered, some of you guys have not registered yet, right? Are you able on your phones to go on the website right now and do that? No? So if you guys will go on the website this evening and get yourselves registered, you're going to get the invitation to Facebook. But the other thing we'll send to you, because again, you should go out and buy this book, mm-hmm. but we'll send you a, rest, a list of food that you guys can eat for the first three days because what you will find is the first three days are probably going to be the most challenging. In addition to that, on the website, there's a link to a website called Forks Over Knives, which has all these vegan recipes. And again, if you can download, if you have uh, the app store on your phone, whether it's Android or through iPhone, go into the app store and search for Forks Over Knives. In there, you'll find an app that will have all the recipes that will match what we're trying to do because it'll all be plant-based, either no oil or low oil. But again, if you get the book, you'll find everything there. But as Barbara mentioned on Sunday, how many of you guys are on Facebook? There's a few people not, so it's going to be a little bit more challenging. And I don't know if maybe we need to do something on... um, I also mentioned we're going to have a Zoom. The Zoom is going to be broadcasted to Facebook. So if they are not on Facebook, they can join the Zoom. 
if they're not on Facebook, they can join Zoom. Mm-hmm. What about, so you're saying, but they'd need to know exactly what time. What about, uh, what if we did something on WhatsApp for the others? Are you, for those of you who are not on Facebook right now, are you willing to join Facebook or something? Yeah? Okay, so if you're willing to join Facebook, and it would be something you really need to do tonight if you want to see what she's doing tomorrow. And if you want to go on this journey together, one of the things that often happens is that when you're trying to do this by yourself, you get discouraged. What do you do when you slip up? You're like, oh, you know what? I messed up when I ate five cookies. Forget about it. But the reality is, maybe I ate seven cookies. And I can encourage you saying, hey, you did way better than me. Let's get back on track, okay? The reality is each one of us have something that's our trigger point. Maybe it's french fries. I love pizza from Anthony's, and I got to admit, I really love chicken wings. So what happens when I make that mistake? Don't laugh at me back there. I'm just being real. (laughs) You you got the same problem? Okay, all right. See, look at this. And this is what we want to create. We want to create this community where we're supporting each other. And I'll be honest, I'm not a social media person. I don't really like being on Facebook, but I'm going to join, and I'm going to get involved in this group. And when I'm going to the grocery store, I'll show you what's in my shopping cart. Yeah? And when I see those cookies sitting there in the aisle, I'm going to show them to you, and I'm going to show me running away from them. (laughs) Okay? I will throw them in in one section, and I'll run the other way. Yes? Hold on one second. I was going to say that I am gluten-free and dairy-free because of allergies. So I have like gluten-free Oreo cookies and dairy-free Oreo cookies. So I, no, you, they sell them in Publix. So I don't know if that would be cheating. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, and, and this is going to be the period where you guys get to ask a lot of questions, right? Um, The big thing behind this is what we're trying to do is move away from anything that came in a package. We're looking for plant-based whole foods foods. Mm -hmm. because there are many people who are quote-unquote vegan that are very unhealthy because they're eating food out of a box or out of a bag. So our challenge is for 18 days is to eat food that we've made ourselves or eating it in its natural raw state, or I don't say raw state, unprocessed state, okay? Now, if you wanted to find a recipe, and again, if you can, download this on your phone real fast, look up Forks Over Knives, or just Google vegan cookie recipes. There's thousands of them out there. So how do we take the things that normally they would sell to us on on the island Publix or Winn-Dixie or wherever you go that's easy and convenient, but what you'll find that usually one of the second or third ingredients in most of those is sugar, and oil because they're incredibly cheap. They hook you in with the fats and the sugar, but they don't do anything for your health. So how do we take those same foods that we would normally eat and move to something that's whole food and plant-based? So does anyone have any questions right now? This isn't a great time to ask questions about how this is going to work, um, you know, what you can eat, what you can't eat if you do have any questions. Brendan. Okay, so so, so, so in, this pre- in this presentation, you, you said that we cannot use any oils. So, 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 so when we're cooking our foods, where are you supposed to cook our, our foods with? Okay. Um, 
So again, I'll go back to the book and then I'll leave it for Barbara. In the book, it tells you, it gives you a prescription and when we get your email, we'll send that. But I was looking at it with my wife today and she's like, boy, this is very sad <laughs> if this is all I can eat. However, as I've been going on this journey myself, um, I've started experimenting with sauteing food with water, right? And Barbara, you can probably speak to that. And I'm learning how to do what I would normally cook with a little bit of olive oil. I'm learning, like, I love kale, right? I'm a kale fanatic. My, you know, my kids know that. My, I just love kale. But I've always sauteed my kale with red onions, garlic, and olive oil. And it gives it great flavor. I've learned now to cook my kale with just the water and saute in water, okay? Now, I do miss that flavor of the olive oil, but I know what it's doing for me. And listen, I'll confess here, um, people wouldn't think that when you look like this that you could have health issues. But probably about five years ago, and I don't go to the doctor very often, right? Once every five or six years I go when my wife forces me and drags me. Um, I went, and when I went, I got some blood work back. And what did that blood work say? That blood work said that I have issues with prediabetes. Yeah? Does it look like it? Not at all. And it also said that I have fatty liver. Now, before I started studying more, I marked that up to the fact that when I was young, I drank a lot, okay? And that's what I really thought it was. But what I'm realizing now is probably has more to do with the saturated fats and the oil that's in just about every single thing that I eat. So I'm on a mission right now to reverse that, understanding what I know as we've, and this came up really because we got involved in the health fair and I thought to myself, you know, I'm pretty healthy, but I've never looked at the science, not at this level. So yeah, you can look great on the outside, and be on the inside. One last thing. You guys have ever heard of um, paleo? Like eating paleo or um, what? keto. Has anyone ever heard of keto eating? So what's happening right now in that industry is those guys who eat a lot of vegetables, they work out. When you look at them, they look ripped and they look fit. They're all starting to show up with prediabetes. And liver disease. They're having that mm -hmm. and they're getting heart disease. In fact, one of the number one advocates a couple years ago, had a heart attack. But when you see him, you're like, how is that possible? Mm -hmm. Well, we know. And one of the things you'll find out with, um, and, and I can talk from, from experience with my clients, is reversing type 2 diabetes is like changing your whole diet, right? There's a science to when you eat, how you eat, so you're not craving. And that's what we're going to teach you also. And you'll find that and that's what we're going to teach you. He's going to teach too. We're going to teach you how to basically bring your body to subjection without feeling like you're starving yourself. Go ahead. Hang on one second. Hmm? I want other people because we have people watching online. Yeah, so we're, we're going to just ask you guys just to pause with your questions until you get a microphone because there are people I know that are watching online so they can maybe benefit from your questions. No, my question is because you're saying we're moving away from certain processed foods, but why is canned foods on here? So I will agree with you that canned food 
You can get black beans that have just simply been put in the can and put in the brine, but they're very high in sodium. So I know that what they'll usually tell you is when you see those recipes for convenience to rinse them off and get rid of all of the stuff that comes with it. But the reality is not only is that an issue with the can, but there's often plastics inside the cans, which is a whole nother level. So there are different levels on this spectrum we're trying to hit, and we're starting out with moving to whole foods. They still consider it whole food and minimally processed when they're in the can. But if you have the ability to take the dry beans, soak them, and then cook with them the next day, that would be the best way to do it. So I do agree with you. And there. in one of the sessions, we're going to be teaching you how to prep for success. And that's where you can cook your dry beans, put them in, cook your beans, put them in, in bags and keep them in the freezer in a way that you just pick it out and ready. So it's not every day you're soaking beans. We're going to teach you how to prep for success. She's going to teach you. She keeps saying we. Remember, <laughs> I'm just the actor. <laughs> right? Yeah. Preface success, yes. Okay. Um, the lady in yellow, you had a question. So um, this one is for Barbara. So for the first three days, what would breakfast look like? <laughs> so for the first three days, we're talking about just vegetables. Um, think about it. There's so many different vegetables that you can make in a smoothie. Um, without the fruits, you're talking about greens. You can just saute them and eat. So just think about all the above-ground vegetables that you can think of. So in, in the book, for the first day, they had squash that was baked. And I think it was, um, was it just sea salt and garlic? Yes. It was th it's simple and cinnamon. It's very, very simple. And, and let me go back to the book again, why I think it's really important. And the other thing that I'll do for you, I will send you the podcast yes. from Dr. Guthrie where he's talking about the entire book and carrying you through. The way he explains this is that if you went into an emergency room mm -hmm. and you were hemorrhaging and you'd been in a terrible accident, they're going to do some things in that emergency room that are radical. Why? I want to save your life. So his first three days in this book is saying, we want an intervention if you're suffering from hypertension, diabetes, or any of the metabolic syndrome diseases, or if you just want to get a really good jump start. The first three days, and I'm going to take you back to the three Hebrew boys. What did they do? That is a shame. They went to vegetables and water. Yeah? And we know from the research that it just clears up the mind. It gets a, gives you a good chance to get all those oils out. So that diet that you're going to see, the things that you're going to eat in the first three days are going to be challenging. But again, in the book, and I thought I had my book here and I don't because I could read to you and I'll, maybe I'll run out and get it and read you guys what it is for the first few days. Oh, here it is. Good yes. to go. So, <laughs> so one of the recipes they have is roasted butternut squash tossed with lemon juice, cinnamon, and nutmeg. That's for breakfast, right? Another one you could use is also combined like spring greens topped with tomatoes, raw or roasted, and yellow, pe yellow peppers, raw or roasted cauliflower tossed with lemon juice, garlic, and chili powder. First three days, but they give you two options. If you don't want to go that extreme, they give you another option, which is simpler to do. But as fruits. Barbara said, yes. if you want radical results, you will do something a little bit stronger. Now, for me, I'm totally okay with eating kale with red onions and garlic every morning with no problems at all. 
but maybe not everyone's okay with that. I'm totally okay with eating a green salad, which I'll often do for breakfast anyway, and that's what my, my breakfast will be, but it's only three days. So if you guys can do it for three days, you'll see a big move in your health markers as you move away from the oils that we're so used to having. Uh, who's and got the microphone there? One of the things I want to share, you know, I, um, and I'm going back to my experience, is that just as he says, think about, and I always share, think about being in an intensive care unit. You have to, if, if you have a broken leg and you need to be laid up for a little bit, you can't go try walking on it. So just look at this. This is only three days. And one of the things I want to share, especially in our faith-based community, is that stop looking at how you can do it. Every day you wake up and you say, you know what? Father, I am changing. I am tr I'm going to follow what your will. I am depending on you to give me the strength. Pray about it. Most times we, we, we isolate our health journey with our prayer journey. Bring God into the mix. Ask him to strengthen you to get through today, just today. Say, Lord, just today. Just today. Stop thinking about the three days. We have to be practical. We have to focus our mind on where we want to be. So the first part of this reversal or this transformation journey is setting your mind for success. And the only place where success can be found is focusing on the one who has the continual strength. Amen. Yes, sir. My question is, um, so... For the, for the first day, you'll have the diet, the exercise, and the water along for the day. Because that's what I'm guessing. That's what I'm guessing you plan to do. Yes. So you're going to have, like, the breakfast. You're going to have a lunch and a small meal in the afternoon mm -hmm. with you, the I diet, exercise, and stuff. Okay. I understand. Yes. And I'm going to tell you, if you start, this is, this is a way to start your body right. If you wake up in the morning before you do anything, if you drink two eight-ounce glass of water, you'll see how it helps to cut down your craving. Eat as much, whatever vegetable you're going to use. Say, for instance, you're going to do the roast butternut squash. Roast um, and make sure you have a good serving to fill your stomach. Not to overstuff yourself, but fill your stomach. And then you'll notice that, wait, I'm not even craving. You have to set the pace for success. But you can't just wake up and like, what am I going to do? You have to plan for success, okay? So I, I, maybe when she wakes up in the morning and eats butternut squash, she has no cravings? Yes, he does. <laughs> you, I'm going to tell you. I'm just being honest. Have you... Have you <laughs> But tell you, I'm, you see, this is in the challenge. I'm going to say, whoever drinks their water, wait a second, fill their stomach with their butternut squash. I'm going to tell you how many people are going to say, I don't crave, I don't crave, I really? don't crave. Okay. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm uh -huh. trusting and believing yeah. that I will not have any cravings. <laughs> so, so can I piggyback off of that a little bit? What I find, and you might have mentioned this earlier, is that in the morning when I wake up, I drink water first, mm -hmm. right? It helps. Yes. But that's not why I wanted to um, See? say a word. It helps. <laughs> it's true. But okay, in all honesty, I will tell you guys, I have, I actually somewhat started a little bit of this journey two weeks ago. I have so much energy now. Um, it was hard, but I, it's not as intense as what we're about to start. Um, we've done the Daniel fast in the past, and I will tell you, the first three days is probably going to be the hardest for you guys if you've ever done anything like this. The first time I did the Daniel fast, I thought I'd be okay because I was a vegetarian, 
I'm not one to eat a lot of junk food, so I thought my body would be able to handle the transition. I had the shakes. My body was in shock because I was going to Whole Foods, non-processed, and my body was like, what is happening? But it was the best feeling to be able to get to the other side a few days later where I started to feel the energy and my body started to feel good, my brain, there was clarity. And I didn't have this need to somehow get a hold of sugar or anything like that. The other component to this, which I'm sure Barbara might have mentioned earlier too, it's also a spiritual battle. And honestly, what I have found in the past is every time I get that craving, I'm like, Lord, please give me the strength. And I pray my way through it. Sometimes I make it through, sometimes I don't. And I, and I really like the idea that we're going to be holding each other accountable and we're going to be doing this together. Um, because I find that it's really important to be able to do it with other people versus doing it on your own. And one of the strategies that I've used in my program is I share with my clients, like, so listen, don't walk around saying, you know what, I hope I don't get craving you're going to be craved. You're going to be tempted. So instead of saying, I hope I don't get tempted, start saying, okay, let me see how many temptations I can overcome today. And start looking at it at the end of the day. It says, okay, I overcame six out of 10. Tomorrow I'm at it again. Stop expecting that you're, you're going to, but each time you overcome one, you get stronger. And you're like, I can do this. Next. I think one of the things Barbara had mentioned to me when we were talking about doing this was how she asked her clients to keep a journal. Mm-hmm. And with the book, the same thing with Dr. Guthrie, he also asked the people that are going through the program to, to keep a journal of what's going on, to see for yourself the victories that you've been having and where you started out. And I think it's incredibly important to be able to take a look back and see how far you've come. And then you get to continue on from those 19 days. Mm-hmm. And then again, the other part of this is you're not going to do this alone. We want to do this with you. We want to be a community that helps each other get healthy. And I'm still going to encourage you guys. I don't know who your friends are, who your neighbors are, your coworkers, but I know you know all the people that could benefit from this, especially people who not be part of the family of faith yet. Think about the relationships that can be developed. Think about the witness that can happen as they go through this experience with you, seeing what it's like working with God's eight laws of health to improve their health and grow closer to God as well. Any other questions? So let me see the hands of all those who are committed that I have already finished the 18-day challenge. You haven't started yet, but you have to speak it. Come on. Who has already seen themselves finish this challenge? Listen, if you can't see it, you won't achieve it. So I want you to picture yourself at the end of that 18-day completed. So I'm going to tell you, it starts with the end. So we are already finished because we are going to be better together working as a team, right? Okay, so what's going to happen? Oh, go ahead, a question. So my question is, um, I work out like three times a week. And um, so my trainer, she would normally tell me, um, because I do like three hours, three times. I mean, one hour, three times per week. So she would tell me after the workout that I need to eat carbs because, you know, your body is burning and so forth to put back the energy. So um, my question would be, um, what would you, would you recommend after like an hour of workout? 
eat your vegetable. It's the same carb. You see, the difference is it's soluble carbs, carbs that your body is able to use to heal itself. So your vegetables have carbs in it. That's been a fallacy that most people think if it's not rice or yams or stuff. Vegetables are loaded. There are two different types of um, fiber or carb. You have soluble and the insoluble. The The soluble one creates bulk. The insoluble one helps your gut microbiome to function optimally. So yes, eat your vegetable just the same. And you'll get your protein there as well. And you'll get your protein. In the vegetables as well. Um, And remember, cows, where we get the meat from, what do they eat to get muscles? And (laughs) they eat grass. So one other thing in regards to the eating and then the timing of the eating afterwards, because I know you may be thinking, yeah, but if I worked out hard, what do I do? Because I'm really going to need to eat something right away. So I lift weights and on a regular basis, I will work out at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. in the morning and I will not eat my first meal until sometimes about 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock. Okay, and what the science is showing you, though, that after that exercise and going through that fasting period, your human growth hormone levels shoot up. If you're trying to burn body fat, if you're trying to gain muscle, that's what you want to happen. So eating and working out in a fasted state and not eating right afterwards is a beautiful thing from the body's scientific processes. So don't be afraid of it. In the beginning, it's going to be very uncomfortable because it's something you're not used to doing, but working out in a fasted state and allowing that fast to go a little bit further again, when you've depleted all of your carbs, when you're exercising, like when you're lifting, all that glycogen in the muscle has been depleted, what does the body then use for energy? Fat. It switches to fat. Mm-hmm. And is that not what we want? We want to remove any of the fat that we don't need to have. So don't be afraid of working out in a fasted state and allowing that fast to go a little bit further. Your body will adjust to it and you move into that ability to burn fat more efficiently. And I'm going to share, to piggy on to what Nick says, um, that this is the best time. You see, they talk about how, especially in type 2 diabetes, how it's the fat deposit inside of the cell that is destroying the the beta cells. Studies have shown that when you exercise before you before you eat, it burns the fat in the cells to make room for the glucose that is on the outside. How does that work? You see, every time we put something in our mouth, we're so fearful and wonderfully made, is that every time we put something in our mouth, our body sends a message that we need, um, this is glucose coming in, so we need insulin. So when you work out without eating, there is no key opening. So the body has to get the energy from someplace. And it goes directly into the fat part of the cell. And so what it does, it makes room for that free-flowing glucose that's on the outside to go in the cell, lowers your blood glucose level, also helps increase your growth hormone. And my clients will tell you, they, they, if you notice, scientifically it's proven, if you check your blood glucose level before you exercise and after you exercise, you'll notice it's higher after you exercise exercise for some people. And that's because the body makes sure you have the energy. So you will not feel tired. Once you start exercising, and not only that, once you do that before you eat, your body continues to burn calorie up throughout the whole day. There's a question. It says, it says, I burn 2,000 calories each Sunday morning playing basketball. How does this factor in the first three days? What advice would you give? Eat lots of vegetables, you're going to be hungry. And that's the truth, though. If you hydrate properly, 
at the beginning and hydrate throughout. And when you finish, you are going to, I want you to take your mind away from the fact that because it's vegetable, I don't have protein, I don't have carb. As you eat all this vegetable, you're getting the protein, you're getting the fiber, you're getting the carb. Eat your vegetables. So I think one of the things that we can do, Barbara, and I'm sure, I'm thinking people know this already, but just in case they don't, we're going to start sending out, and maybe we can do this in the Facebook um, group, or I'm not sure the best way to do it, to show you which vegetables are higher in protein than meat that you would think that you're getting more complete protein by eating the meat, but you're actually doing a better job from eating the vegetables. So we'll start sending some of that nutrition information out. It'll kind of shift your mindset. And again, I'm just going to go back to some of these top professional athletes. There are huge amounts of these top athletes that are moving away from meat and they're moving into a vegan diet and fasting before they go out and do their competitions. Mm -hmm. Not long distance runners, not marathon guys because they carb load before. But because of this, the basketball players, the football players, they are moving to the vegan uh, lifestyle because of how that's enhancing their muscle growth, their performance, and their endurance. So don't be afraid of doing it. There's one more um, question there. And that's a yes. No, actually, it says, should you drink water before eating or brushing your teeth? Oh, yes. Yes, that's a yes. yes. And this is the reason why you should drink water before eating or brushing your teeth. When you wake up in the morning and it will help with, you see, there are microbes, there's stuff in your mouth that your gut needs to activate and to work well. And, you know, growing up in the islands, you always say, brush your teeth. But now you realize that you need to drink this water before you even wash your mouth because the stuff that's in, in your mouth goes to your gut and works well. And not only that, my clients who have been doing this used to suffer with constipation. Once you start doing this, constipation goes away. Drink your water before you brush your teeth or do anything in the morning. I'm going to get in trouble with this one because I'm not 100% sure. Is What is the nutrient that vegans are supposed to be missing while they say you need to eat. Vitamin B12. It's B12. Mm-hmm. Go Google this to be sure. But when you drink your water before brushing your teeth, the bacteria that are in your mouth that you swallow help with that B12 deficiency that you have. So go take a look at that. That's something I heard and read years and years ago. I could be wrong, but check that out. But I know that it does change the gut um, uh, biome and will help you throughout the day by drinking the water before brushing your teeth. And the toothpaste, actually, when you look at what the toothpaste does, that's a whole other situation. It's messing with your nitric oxide production, which is what helps the blood vessels uh, biodas... Tell me that word. Bio for the blood vessels to... Biodas... Vasodilate. And by (laughs) the toothpaste and the mouthwashes that we're taking are actually stopping the production because it starts here on your tongue. Mm-hmm. When you chew your green leafy vegetables, the nitrates are created on your tongue first, are swallowed, and that process continues in your gut. When we're using the, um, most of the uh, mouthwashes and some of the toothpaste, the antiseptics, it it's stopping that process happening on your tongue, mm-hmm. and this is also leading and helping with the hypertension and all the other issues we're having. Wesley. I uh, had a quick question on... Um, um, would we be able to start a, um, a um, t- telegram group or a, um, a uh, WhatsApp uh, chat group 
that we're thinking we, of we starting a WhatsApp we're, we're, chat. We're considering the WhatsApp. Telegram, I know for sure we're not going to be doing, but we're considering the WhatsApp for people who are not on Facebook. But we're trying to make it available through either um, Facebook, maybe broadcasted. You can join on Zoom or broadcasted live from YouTube. Yeah, the issue with the, the YouTube, and I think what he's talking about is what you'll get from the WhatsApp is that constant communication and support where okay. the Zoom or YouTube um, is at that moment, but at WhatsApp and Facebook, you can be communicating and people will be back and forth. Question in the back? Not a question. I just want to say something about Drinking the water before brushing your teeth. I had a lot of problem with um, stomach burning. And a friend of mine told me, you need to eat or drink before you brush your teeth. I say, what? That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was terrible, so I started doing it. And over a year, no heartburn. So I could testify to that. Yes. yes. And our gut biome, the bacteria in our gut from a lot of the seed oils, a lot of the processed oils we're eating, it's completely messed up. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those things, by again, doing what we're doing with this diet, by taking out a lot of these oils, will help and actually to restore the stomach. And how, how often does that turn over the stomach lining? Is it every 48? Three, um, three to five days. Three to five days. Mm -hmm. If you were to remove a lot of those seed oils and the things that are causing inflammation in the body, for at least three to five days, it will help that stomach turn over a lot of that um, issues it's got with the bad uh, gut floor. Yeah, the cells, the cells in the stomach turn over every three to five days. In the eyes, it's one to two days. And yes, yeah, so the cells in the stomach, if you are having GI issue and you rest your stomach following it, three to five days, the cells, you know, start, slowly starts to regenerate. Okay. Um what about cod liver oil or vitamin E's, delicious oils, and... The best place to get all of that is directly from the no, fruit. No, that's my question. Should we use those? Because you said, you know, cut down on oils. No. We're, when we talk about oils, we're saying no oils. No cod liver oils, no coconut no. oil. You mean in the tablets? Yeah. So... For three days, three days. stay away. From all those. For three no days. If you're going to get any oil, a lot of the foods you eat do have natural oils. But even for the first three days, Dr. Guthrie is saying stay away from olive oils, stay away from avocado, anything that would be higher in that natural oil content. Because we're trying to reset the cells and allow some of that oil that's natural, that's in this, well, I don't say naturally, but it's in the cells from what we've been eating. Mm -hmm. For three days, stay away. And then after the three days, what he recommends after the three days is even then, get as much of your oils from plant-based whole foods. When we get a lot of our supplements, we're getting concentrated versions of something, but it's missing all the fiber and all the other things that come with it. So mm -hmm. he's even encouraging that when you go through it to get those oils from, get it from flax, get it from eating the olive, mm -hmm. not from the olive oil, yes. get it from other forms of whole foods and work that way. Okay. Um, now, I don't know if there's other deficiencies you have. I'm not a physician. Again, I just play one on the stage when I'm here. I don't know if there's other needs that you have. And if you should continue to take that, that's, I would say consult your physician in regards to that's that. That's my question, too, because um, um, I know for myself, I do uh, a multivitamin 
so during those three days, I, sh I could stop, the, you're saying, to stop my multivitamins and all my other stuff that I, that I if take? If you're taking multivitamins, and, and please don't beat me up. Most times, I won't beat you up. Most times, I'm just saying, the, the benefit that you're getting from the multivitamin is so minute mm -hmm. that if you find the plants and vegetable, and I know, there are some multivitamins that are better, and there are some. But for three days without the multivitamin, you'll be fine. Okay. Now, I just want to know because um, there are other people maybe on other pills, other medication that they have to take too. You, so you're, speak to the so your, your, your medication that you're taking, you can continue to take those depending and you'd have to see your physician. Okay. But what we're saying when it comes to your diet, we're asking you to stay away okay. from like the oils and just eating that. So if you're hypertensive, if you have your heart medication that you're normally... Consult with your physician, but we're not asking you to stop those. Just as though you would normally eat and take them, we want you to be able to just go to a whole food plant-based diet. It's the beginning. Okay, and just speaking to that point, and again, I'm, I'm not a medical professional, but I want to be very clear. And again, referring yeah, back to the book, he talks about the different symptoms or the different disease states that people may have before getting on this program. And all of them, he says make sure you consult with your physician, let them yes. know if you have blood sugar issues and you do this for the first three days and all of a sudden you don't have anything else coming in, there's no carbs, that could definitely affect what's going on with your blood sugar. Mm -hmm. So if you're in that state where you are taking insulin or have any other sugar-related issues, you need to let your physician know. Um, I don't know the different drugs you may be taking for that, but he oh. talks about if you're taking those, you don't want to all of a sudden get super low blood sugar and be in trouble because of that. Yes. And I'll let Barbara speak to that. And then when you're and, done speaking to it, we have a question we, on YouTube. We can, like, we can help you with throughout the process. If you're diabetic or you're struggling with that, I can kind of guide you on an individual basis. But I'm just saying that just remember that um, with the diabetic medication, it's programmed to do one thing. And that's to lower your blood sugar. We're not saying you should not, um, we're saying you should just eat plant-based stuff for the most part and consult with your physician. And I, I'd have to go on an individual basis and see exactly what you're on before we can give. But the key thing is consult with your physician. After this program, for those of you who are here that do have more specific questions that you can speak with Barbara in the lobby. And just so you know, before we leave today, hopefully you guys still have time because we've, we've talked a lot and I will answer this question up here, um, that you're going to be able to get an assessment of where you are at with your weight, your body fat, your glucose level. And what's the other thing that's going to be tested? Was that it? Your BMI. And your BMI. So you will get to kind of get a little bit of a baseline, but still it's not the same as going to your physician and getting some tests done and having them run the, the blood panels that you know and Barbara can speak to you about what you should get specifically if you want to see really how you're doing. And in the book, Dr. Guthrie speaks about people coming in and going through this program with him for 18 days, some people losing 30 pounds, right? Now, depending on where you are and depending on how much you adhere to this program, that can happen. Now, depending on where you are, if you were able to lose 10 pounds, 15 pounds, if that was one of your goals in 18 days, would you not go all the way in? But again, speak with your physician about it and make sure that he knows what's going on so you don't have anything that happens on the journey. So there's a question from uh, Linda, oh, from Facebook. You want to read that one, Barbara? It says, most of the nuts and seeds have oil. 
how do we factor that in as far as not eating oil? So the oils that are found in nuts and seeds are in their whole food state. After the three days, that's not considered eating oil. We're talking about processed extracted oils that we get, like the olive oil, the coconut oil, the vegetable oil. This is the way you should actually get the oil from the food itself. I'll refer back to the book again in his guidance for um, day four through day 18. He's recommending that you back off on those and eat in moderation, which is our temperance, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I know how I feel. I love cashews. I love pistachios. I can sit down and eat a full bag in, you know, about a half an hour because I just keep going and going. But temperance says I know that and that's a lot of calories packed in, and it's still some type of oil. So he says, yes, you can eat it in its whole state form, but you need to do it in more moderation. moderation. If you really want to get that extreme result, then back away from those nuts for those 18 days. Back away from some of those things we'd normally eat and avoid those fats for as long as possible. But in their plant-based form, their whole food form, they are not bad for you. Yes, and remember, minimum results, minimum effort. It's, you get what you put in. And that's why we're here to support you. We are here to support you. Okay. <laughs> Backing away again. <laughs> All right. So I don't know. What, did you have any more slides? Have you, have you reached the end here? Okay. So we're going to wrap up here. Any last questions? Any concerns? Online questions. Any fear? Oh, we've got another one. It Go says, I do lemon water throughout the day. Is that okay? And that's a yes. So yes. when it comes to the fluids, again, just going yes. back to Dr. Guthrie's book, if you're not sure how to find that book online, you can go on the Your Best Life HF, that's henryfrank.com. You will find a link. You can click on it. It'll take you right to the Amazon page where you can order the book or if you want to buy it somewhere else. But I would really encourage you guys to go out and grab the book so we can do this together, right? Mm -hmm. Barbara's going to give you guys a ton of input, a ton of information mm -hmm. as you go on the journey. But if you want to be able to sit down and look at it, or um, I should have the podcast. I'll ask Addie to put the podcast up. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm getting some signals there. But we'll try and get the podcast up so you can listen to it as well. We'll also post the audio book so you can listen to the audio book if you guys like to listen. But in your water, for the first three days, there is um, just water and lemon. He says you can have clear teas. But if you can make it with just the water and the lemon, go ahead and do that. No caffeine, no caffeinated drinks no. at all. I know I don't have to say that, but just in case, even if it's no, no diet soda, no, none of that no stuff. artificial sweeteners. Nothing artificial. I'm sure you guys already know that even the diet sodas create a strong insulin response, which is what we're trying to avoid right now. Yeah. If you didn't know, just understand diet soda is not what they thought it was. It still creates an insulin response, plus all the other side effects that come with that. Um, another question there, Barbara. So another question, it says, what vegetables should we buy, regular or organic? It all depends on the type of vegetable. For the most part, there's the green leafy vegetables. I, I prefer for you to buy organic. I'm not trying to. There's some vegetable like that does not absorb that you can buy that is not, but the green leafy vegetable, I'd so recommend that you like the tomatoes and the berries when you get to that stage. You know, there is a list of what we call the dirty dozen and the, you know, the clean, but the green leafy vegetable, if you're not growing it in your backyard or so, it's best if you buy it organic. So, so I have a question in regards to that. Um, and this is something that I look at when I go to the grocery store, so you can give me your opinion on this, is I'll go to the grocery store and I'll see the bag of kale is $7 organic and it's $4 regular. 
in my mind, it's been, it's better that I take the $4 bag of kale, which I can afford, mm -hmm. rather than no kale at all. And I, and, and I totally confer with that. If that's what you can afford, you're putting your best foot effort, best effort forward. Um, but if you are not having issues with cash or anything, and you can go for the organic green vegetables, that better. There's one for you, Barbara. That, that one I can't answer. So this is awesome. She says, I'm type 2 diabetic, and I have to eat breakfast in the morning. What would be a good recommendation, please? All the green vegetables that you can eat, your broccoli, um, your, your kale, uh, your spinach, you saute those with some onions, and you eat all of your vegetables, your cabbage, your just saute those, and you make a good, nice pot. I can just... Hallelujah. I, I'm just telling you, and I'm thinking like I want some. And just fill your stomach. And there's something else we'll do again. We'll post this, and hopefully I'll remember this. Um, Dr. Caldwell Esselstein, that's a doctor from Cleveland Clinic. Mm -hmm. He's the one that's reversed uh, heart disease using kale. Yes. But he has a list of the top 10 green vegetables that he has scientifically tested to see which do the best job of helping open up the arteries after there's been damaged. So we can probably get that up there as well and you can make sure you move those into your diet. So definitely, you are in the right place if you're type two diabetic and you have all that, you're, you're gonna be so full and satisfied that you won't even recognize that you're on vegetables and that I can attest to. I think we've, we've got one, one more question. I just want to say I'm grateful. My friend invited me uh, just this evening. He told me last week, but just today he reminded me, and um, I appreciate what you guys are doing. Really do. Thank you. Thank you, hey, man. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so if there are no more questions, we're going to close right now. And for those of you here that would like to get your assessment, um, where, do, where do they need to go, Andy? Just to the fellowship right, hall, to right, the lobby? Right out in the lobby. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So right there in the lobby, you can get your assessment, kind of get that baseline test of where you are. Um, I think we've got everyone's email contact. I guess we're hoping everyone will be on Facebook, but I guess we will have to open up the, the, WhatsApp. the WhatsApp group as well so we can all get together and look for Barbara tomorrow. Again, if you can get the book, order the book. I will get the podcast up so you can listen. All right. And we're going to pray, but before we leave, I'm, I'm going to ask everyone who's here, who've committed, if we could just, we're going to try to take a group picture. Um, so, yeah, we'll close out online and we'll close out here. We can shut off the online stream. Then we're going to ask you guys just to get with us. We'll take a group picture as we get started. All right, can we stand for a closing prayer? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we are here together as family, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, getting ready to go on a journey together. And you know, what's beautiful to know is that when you left, you didn't leave us here alone. You left us with brothers and sisters to walk through life with us. And as we encourage each other spiritually, Lord, as we try and lift each other up and pray for each other, or our spiritual health, uh, today we're beginning a journey for our physical health. And I know that you want us to do well spiritually 
and physically so that we can represent you in the best way possible. I pray for anyone in the room right now or watching online that may be a little bit anxious or scared about what's about to happen, Father. I pray that you will know that this is one of the best journeys they'll ever take, Father. And I know that three, four, maybe five days from now, the mental clarity they're going to have there in that frontal lobe that when they read their Bible, when they pray, they're going to hear your voice so clearly. They're going to see things in a different way, Father. Father, I want to pray for those who may be suffering right now with different uh, lifestyle diseases diseases, whatever that metabolic type uh, syndrome disease they've got, Father. Lord, someone who just may be feeling tired with just no energy. Father, I just pray that you will just encourage them to just go full force into this 18-day challenge. And Lord, I know that they're going to be so excited when they get on the other side and they see what following your eight laws of health will do for them. And Lord, help us to continue to reach out to our friends, our neighbors, Lord, people who you're going to put in our lives, Father. And maybe it's not for this 18-day challenge today, but it's information that we can share, Father. And as their health gets taken care of. Just as when Jesus walked this earth and he touched people who were crippled and blind and, and that had issues of blood and all those different things. Father, I know that you will get all the honor and all the glory and the credit for what's being done. Now just redeem the rest of the time we spent here this evening, Father, and as we move forward, Lord, give us victory over any temptation, any obstacle in our way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.